0: Now, when I was in high school, I worked every Christmas and I worked for my mom's company and all I did was deliver cakes and my only stipulation was is that you buy me a cake too, right? So if you give me a cake, I will deliver all these cakes for you. And this is the best best cake on the planet, it really is. If you're ever in Tampa, Florida, you got to go to Wright's Deli and get a chocolate alpine cake. You guys are not writing that down, you should be. Um, it is, it is unbelievable. But this was back in the day before cell phones, right? This is before GPS, okay? So I had to do what we had to do back then, and I had to get on the Internet, which is a little bit of a stretch to call it the Internet. That's what we have today. If any of you guys remember the dial-up days, the Lord knows you couldn't even get on the Internet if somebody's on the phone. You're like, Mom, get off the phone. I'm trying to get online. And so, you, you remember the noise? How could you forget the shhhhhh? <laughs> ten, 10 minutes later, you finally got what you wanted. So I had to get online, I had to print off like Google Maps. And that's how I found my way around. I had like this book full of Google Maps to find the places uh, that I was trying to get to. And I loved delivering in St. Pete, because St. Pete, Florida was so easy to find your way around, because it's, it's, it's kind of like Oklahoma City, it's a grid. But everything's labeled in numbers and first, there's first avenue which intersects with first street and then it goes on for that second, third, fourth, fifth. It's just this grid. And all avenues run north and south and all streets run east and west. So it's really easy to, to figure it out, right? All of, all of the streets were parallel. All the avenues are parallel. Two different roads but going in the same direction. And that's kind of, we're starting this new series today called Parallel, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. A lot of times we see the Old and New Testament as very different books, but they are parallel. Uh, They may be written hundreds of years apart, but they all go the same direction. They all lead you to the same incredible God and his amazing love for us. And we see that God's message has not changed. So the two scriptures we're going to look at today is Isaiah 62.10. And Romans 14, 20 through 21, Isaiah says, Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, and lift up a signal over the peoples. And Romans says, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that would cause your brother to stumble. So we see here there's two verses written hundreds of years apart asking us really to do the same thing. God is asking us to make it easier for people to find him by the way in which we choose to live. To live a life that clears a path that points people to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. But before we can clear those stones, we kind of got to figure out what they are. What is it? What are the things that keep people off of God's path? If you're taking notes today, this is where you want to grab them. Uh, We're going to go through what some of those stones are. The first one is doubt. Doubt can either keep you from believing in God or keep you from being committed to him. Why would you follow a God that you're not sure about? The other side effect of this is that sometimes we doubt hell. And we say, well, all roads lead to heaven, so why do I need to worry? Second piece of this is sin and temptation. Sin and temptation, which really they work hand in hand together as just trying to distract us. They lay out these imitation paths for us to follow, but they lead to death these idols or false gods in our lives that make false promises that say they can do this or do that but none of them actually can they lead us from the true path to life the next is trials sometimes it's the hardships that we go through in our life the pain that we face the hurt the sorrow the depression the loneliness these things will steal your desire they'll steal your worth And they'll make you feel like you don't even deserve God. And the last one we're going to go through, I know that there's two more blanks, but the last blank we're going to come back to. This one is narrow path. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. And growing up, this always kind of seemed harsh to me, but the the reality is, is what it's saying is, is that there are many ways in which you can destroy your life. There are many different options, but there's only one way in which you can find life, save your life. And the truth is is that there was no way for that, and God had to send his son to die on the cross to make one way for us to find God again. Sometimes that's hard for people to accept that there's not multiple ways. But how can we, by the way in which we live, how can we help people stay on God's path? And I believe it's us, God's people, that are tasked with building up the path. God wants us to build up the path with understanding and love. I went on a mission trip to to Haiti. And when you arrive at the airport, uh, you just know that you're going to be in for kind of a long ride. It usually took from one to two hours, depending on a lot of different things. Uh, But the sad thing is, is that the orphanage that I traveled to was only roughly about 12 miles from the airport. So it took an hour to two hours to go 12 miles. Why did it take that long? Because the roads were garbage, okay? The roads were terrible. I mean, you you, you think we got potholes in Oklahoma, and trust me, we do. They got divots, man. They got, you can get lost in potholes there. I mean, the roads are just so bad that you you just can't go fast. You got to drive slow. So part of our work uh, that we did there in Haiti was we repaired a short section of the road. That's what we, we were literally building up the road to make it easier to drive on. That's what Isaiah is talking about here. He says, build up build up the road. Let's make this road to Jesus. Let's make this path just a little bit easier to journey on, a little easier to travel on. You know, it makes sense for us to repair a physical road, but it's like, okay, pastor, how do do we build up a road that we cannot see? You know, I know sometimes it's interesting. When we went to Haiti the first time, it really wasn't the roads that really got us. It was because the bus broke down. So it takes a while to get somewhere when the bus doesn't work. And luckily, the Richard, the guy that was our leader, was a retired diesel mechanic. So he gets off the bus. They, they pop the hood on this bus, and there's dudes running around everywhere. These guys are coming out of the streets with parts for the car. I don't even know where they're coming from, uh, fixing our bus for us. But sometimes, you guys understand this mentality. You get wrapped up in, in trying to fix something or get into a project, and you're like, nah. You know, I'll tell my wife, hey, I got... I'm going to build something. It's only going to take 30 minutes, right? <laughs> so you're laughing because you know that it's going to take longer than 30 minutes because there's sometimes that you get into stuff that you had no idea it was there. It's hard to calculate the unknowns. It's hard to calculate that which you don't understand. And I don't think that people are any different. Building takes time. It takes understanding. And people are way more complex than things that you can fix. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this. says, Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and righteousness and righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather together as community as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. It says, Let us consider, let us not forget to gather together as community. Community means people that gather together to worship and live together. Community is not showing up to a building once a week, getting your little taste of Jesus and then going home and not having any contact with those people, right? Living together, worshiping with each other. Let's not forget doing that. Let's not forget to live within our Christian community. It says let's not forget to encourage one another to literally give that encourage means to literally give someone courage. What better way to build somebody up than to give them courage, but you can't do that if you're not around them. I don't believe that we can do what this scripture says if we treat our church experience like a fast food restaurant. Where we drive in, get what we need and go home. Living in community takes time. It takes being present with others. It's not just building this path. It's not just building the road, but it's traveling on that road with people. There's a scripture, Matthew 9, 10, I want to share with you. I love this. It says, and Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Those of you that work in an office, you'll understand this. Sometimes people will come by the office and they'll stand at the door and talk to you. And that usually means that they just have maybe one or two questions. They're going to say something to you and then they're going to go. But then you have a, another time where somebody comes in and they sit down. And that means they're going to be there for a while. Usually, unless it's me, I'm just sitting down because I'm tired. Um, but just, you, you understand the difference between this. You understand what it means to recline. Recline. I love the fact that Jesus reclined with these people. He didn't say, hey, I'm in a hurry here. I got I to bless you, heal here, and I, I got somewhere else to be. He didn't do that to them. He spent time with them. In a broken world, Jesus could have spent all of his time healing and teaching, but he didn't. He made time to live with people, to live among them, to spend time getting to know them, to be present with them, listening to them, reclining with them. He didn't show up as some cosmic, powerful being to rid us of our stupidity. He came to understand us. He came to live with us. He came to love us. My goodness gracious, he spent 30 years preparing to do ministry, living, understanding, learning. Are we so busy and so stretched thin that no one's getting the best of us? Have there been times in our lives where we've been employees first and people second? Are we leaving time in our lives to serve people, to love people, to be people of compassion? Do people ever get the best of us? Do they get the best of our love? Do they get the best of our energy and our creativity? Or do they just get the the leftovers? Are we cultivating a, a life of serving and understanding and patience and love? And maybe just like Jesus, we need to slow down recline at the table, to sit with people and let everything go. You know, I love the fact that Jesus sat and reclined at the table. Do you know who he was with? He was with sinners, tax collectors. What an example for us. It's not just about sitting with the people we love, not just sitting with our family, not just sitting with our church, but sitting and reclining with the people out there who need him so desperately to hear their stories, to understand them, to listen to them to invest in moments where we can give our all to building the highway to Jesus, to listen, to actually listen, not to wait for our chance to speak or wait for our chance to fix them or wait for our chance to tell them how they're wrong, but putting in the time to hear their story so you might better understand who they are and why they do what they do and how you might help build the path to what they really need. And that's not your advice, it's Jesus. To make a commitment to seek understanding by listening intently, knowing that listening brings understanding. And understanding fuels compassion. And compassion changes the world. It's compassion that builds the path. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. You understand that it was the love of Jesus Christ. It was his cross that literally covered our sin. His cross is what built the road we're talking about. And Jesus, all he's asking for us to do is maintain that road. To be inspired, so inspired by the love that he's given us that we pay it forward. That we love people like he loved us, calling us to that same radical love. Not love how we define it oftentimes, but love how the Bible defines it. You ready for this? Love that is long-suffering. Love that is slow to anger. Love that does not seek its own way. Love that keeps no record of wrongs. A tangible love that helps people believe in God. A love that gives people hope that there is something better out there. A love that sits and weeps with those that are hurting and broken hearted. A love that makes that narrow path just a little bit less lonely. It's our job to build up the path with understanding and love. Now if you go back where we go going through the stones, we're going to fill in that last stone. And this is probably the hardest piece of this. So... Pull down, your, pull down your roller coaster strap and buckle in. So we're going for it. The last stone is me. Me. The way in which you live, are you making it easier or harder for people to find Jesus? The way in which you live, are you helping remove stones from the path? Or are you leaving stones wherever you go? That's why the challenge for us is to clear the path by striving to live above reproach. Oh, This next bit that I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to go ahead and ask for forgiveness ahead of time and just ask that you keep in mind that I was a middle school kid. And let's not hold that against me, okay? Please, thank you. So when I was in middle school, Me and my neighborhood friends, we love to do something we call ding-dong ditch, okay? This is where you would ring someone's doorbell, and then you would run for your life, okay? And they would come out, and they would look, and no one would be there. And it's, I guess, it is kind of funny, okay? (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. So there was this specific guy in our neighborhood. We didn't, so we didn't ding-dong ditch Everybody, we just did one guy because he put on a show every time. So we would ring his doorbell and we would hide in the bushes across the street so that we could watch the show, right? And this one time we got really terrified because I thought for sure we were, we were toast because we're sitting in the bushes, we're watching this guy say words that I'm not allowed to repeat. And we're laughing, and all of a sudden, the bushes that we're in, the garage door starts to open. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, we're in trouble. So we just tried to pretend like we weren't there. We tried to hide our best. Eventually, the guy comes out. He's doing some things. He sees us. He says, what are you guys doing? He says, are you guys bothering that neighbor? And we're like, And he, and he looks at us, he goes, I don't really like that guy. You can hide in my bushes anytime you want to. <laughs> and the sad thing is, as is, is, is funny as that is, I, I think back to this idea of how our actions affect other people. And I don't feel that bad about it because I was in middle school and you do stupid things in middle school. But let's think about that on a bigger scope. How, how are our actions? How do our words, how do they affect the people around us? And, and are we making it easier for people to find Jesus or, or harder? The language in which we use, the way in which we deal with our anger, how we treat people that are different from us, how we respond to the customer service people on the phone. Can I get an amen on that one? How we lose. What we watch, what we listen to, the posts and comments we make on social media, what we consume, our actions, our words, who we are, is it communicating to others about the character of God in which we claim to serve? Are we pointing people to Jesus or are we standing in their way? There's a scripture that's, that's pretty famous. It's one of, the, one of the ten commandments and it says this, thou shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And when I grew up I did not understand the meaning of this. I thought that this meant that when you stubbed your toe you didn't say nah, 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 nah. you didn't say God's name. It was taking his name in vain. That actually has nothing to do with what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying don't take his name in vain. Don't claim to be a Christian. Don't claim to be a follower of God if you're going to live like the rest of the world. That's what this verse is talking about. Don't claim to have the Holy Spirit living within you and then act like a fool. Sometimes the biggest stones on the path are when God's children do not reflect God's character. Aren't we meant to look different than the rest of the world? You know, the first time that I went to India, can I tell you that there was no one in that country that thought I was Indian? Okay, I'm a fair bit bigger than most Indians. My skin color is different. My accent is different. And the last thing is I nod my head differently. I went over there. And I, I just tried to order some breakfast. And the guy's like, what do you want for breakfast? I said, I like some eggs and some toast. And he did one of these numbers to me. And I was like, I guess you don't have eggs and toast. So I ordered something different. And then he brings the food. Not only did I get eggs and toast, but I got well, the other thing I ordered too. Because I didn't know this, but in India, this right here means Yes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but this right here means no. Yeah. So it's easy to tell by the way in which we live that, that we're different, right? Shouldn't it be that easy to pick out believers from unbelievers? And Jesus says, you will know my followers by the way in which they follow the law? No. By the way in which they obey the rules? No. It says, you'll know my believers by the way in which they love other people. So this idea of striving to live above reproach, the heart behind it matters. In essence, living above reproach means living above or beyond the law. But it's not for the sake of salvation. It's based in love for other people. It's based in understanding that that I have an effect on others' pursuits to find Jesus. This idea found in Scripture that, yeah, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. We put in your outline, just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Philippians 2.15 says this. It says, Be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. But you know there's a difference between like a cut that you got to put a Band-Aid on and a small little blemish. There's a difference between sin and blemish. God's calling us here to be people without blemish, to strive for that. It says, especially, context matters, audience matters. It says, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom I'm calling you to shine as lights to the world. This idea that we give thought to who our audience is, those that you have influence over, and how your actions might help or hinder their pursuit of God, especially in the company of unbelievers. God is calling us to be His light, to be His message by the way that we live. Scripture says, Listen, therefore, go and make disciples, teaching by living an example. This idea that actions speak louder than words. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary to give people the chance to see in us the Savior that they can't see in person. I'm going through a book with, with James right now. We, we read this piece and it just kind of blew me away. And, and it was telling a story and it just said there's this lady named Sister Clara and she was giving a sermon And when she was done with her sermon, she got down and asked, can I go preach now? Can I preach by the way that I live, living in such a way that the radical love that's inside us could only come from one place, and that's from God, that people might experience, might encounter Jesus through us and not as stones on the path. This idea of living above reproach, it means to not even be associated with evil, not even an acquaintance to evil. Romans says, listen, don't risk destroying the work of God for the sake of food. Don't use your freedom in a way that could keep others imprisoned. Let me say that one more time. Don't use your freedom in a way that could keep others imprisoned. I live a lot differently, I believe, right now as a student ministries pastor than I would if I was just a regular dude, right, there's a couple of things that I try to be really, really careful about. I try to be really, really careful about the movies that I watch. Listen, I'm not gonna tell you how much older, but I'm older than 17, okay? That means I'm allowed to watch rated R movies, but that doesn't mean that I should. There's certain movies and certain things in movies that I shouldn't see. And what if one of the kids goes, hey, Pastor Will, did you see that movie? Because if I say yes, then that means to them, well, it's okay if I see it. Biblically, I'm talking biblically, okay? Biblically, there is nothing in the Bible that says me obeying the law as a grown man drinking responsibly cannot drink. But you know why I don't drink? Because if I do, it means my students go, well, oh, Pastor Will does not guess I could do it too. Because I have a different audience. I have people. I'm living as a role model, regardless of whether or not I want to live as a role model, I am one, so I have to be really, really careful. And you've got to understand that each and every single one of you, even you as students, you are role models to somebody. You have influence over somebody, and the way in which you choose to live matters. And you say, hey, pastor, that's not fair. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Welcome to the real world. Life hasn't been fair since the Garden of Eden. It also wasn't fair that, that God had to send his son to die for our mistakes, but he did. And for me, at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing. It all comes down to faith. Do you believe that what God has for you is better than what the world can offer you? Are you willing to proclaim with Paul, I count this world as nothing, as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ my Lord? Are you willing to say no to something simply because it might hinder someone else? Willing to be intentional about the example that you leave behind? Living above reproach, this is really important. Living above reproach is not a salvation matter. But I do believe that it's a cross that we're called to bear. It's really important for you to understand that salvation, your salvation is completely dependent on the cross of Jesus, but your freedom and your witness require for you to pick up your own cross. And as we carry our cross with us, may we use it to knock the stones off the path. Let us strive not to live as a stumbling block, but to be as one who is clearing the path. I don't know where you are today, where you are right now. Um, after writing this, I didn't feel too great about my life. Um, I know that this is, this is kind of a hard thing. Uh, it is difficult because we live our lives and, and we make mistakes and sometimes we do things that we're not proud of. But, but I really want to be clear about a few things. Uh, One, I'm not advocating today of the cold turkey mentality that you just all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm going to live above reproach and I'm going to be perfect. (laughs) I really wish life was like that, but it's not. Holiness is a process. But my challenge to you is to keep pushing forward, even in failure, to keep trying. This last piece is stay on the path. Stay on the path. Don't be discouraged by your missteps. Don't be discouraged by your failures. Don't be discouraged by the things that you screw up. There's a story in scripture about a man who's demon-possessed, and it actually says his name is Legion, because that's how many demons that are in him. And he has an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus casts the demons out of him into some pigs, and the pigs drown themselves. And this man's life is, is changed forever. And in Mark 5, 19, he says, Jesus says to this man, because he he doesn't want to stay where he's at. He wants to follow Jesus. He says, don't follow me. He says, instead, go home with your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy. Jesus changed this man's life. And that change in his life made a way for people to hear his story to share what Jesus has done. Listen, this man had terrorized people. He harassed people. He had hurt many. He was a literal menace, right? But all of his failure, all of his brokenness, all, all of this didn't disqualify him from being used by God. In fact, Jesus placed him in charge of speaking and spreading the gospel to the entire Decapolis, that area. See, as Christ followers, I think that we've really got to change our perspective on failure. And I know that obviously we never want to just accept failure or be happy about failure. We don't want to just give up. But we've got to understand that God can and will use all things for our good and the good of the people around us, including our past. Because you've got to understand that your failure today is but an opportunity for victory tomorrow. Don't give up. God's not done with you yet. There is no such thing as too broken. And can I tell you, if God can use a man that was running around a graveyard butt naked, he can use you. Okay? When I was in college, I had decided to to try the Jesus fast. And it's supposed to be 40 days where all you did was drink water. And I talked to a couple people and they're like, listen, that's a bad idea. Health wise, it's just not a good idea. So, me and my roommate, we just tried and we did. We fasted everything except for bread, water, and vegetables. And so, for about thirty days, all I ate was guacamole sandwiches because I didn't really like vegetables. So I just ate a lot of banana bread and a lot of, lot of stuff. Uh, I ended up losing about sixty pounds in a month, and it was not. A good way to lose weight kind of messed up my my system it was funny to me when you lose that amount of weight people take notice and there's some people that would see me and say oh man wow you you look really good well that's great because I feel terrible (laughs) so I'm glad I look great but there's a lot of people that say what did what did you do how did you do that? Or years later, they say, how did, you, how did you keep that weight off? And I think that's exactly what happens with change, all change, including our personal change, that when we're a different person, people take notice. And that gives us a chance to say, you know what? God's working on my heart. I'm just been, I've been trying to be different. See, our past failures make other people pay attention to our current victory. People notice improvement say, sometimes they might say something like, wow, this person's actually being nice to me. Maybe a a wife might say, is he actually listening? You might say about your kids, is she being nice to her brother? I heard a snicker down there. (laughs) Did my kids listen and obey? Did that just happen? And I haven't, I haven't heard him cuss in a long time. Man, I just didn't feel like he gets angry like he used to. Man, she really seems to be smiling a whole lot more these days. See, God will use your past missteps to awaken others to his work inside of you. And just like that demon-possessed man, it gives you the opportunity to share your story, to share what God is doing in your life, and to say, Listen, I'm but a broken guy just trying to be better but Jesus is changing me from the inside out. This is where we get the opportunity to invite others to walk that narrow path, to walk that road, to clear the path of that road. I'm gonna ask Rachel to come. She's gonna lead us in a song. Just give us a chance to worship together. And I I don't know where you are today. Hopefully the Holy Spirit communicated something to those of you that are trying to hear all I know is that for a lot of us, it's not always easy to build up the road. It's not always easy to think intentionally about the way that we live and to try to be present with people and to try to get a better understanding. Sometimes we we just don't like things that are different. We don't like things and people that believe differently than we do, but God doesn't really care. He just says, I want you to love. Sometimes it takes understanding to love people. So maybe you today, maybe there's somebody in your life that it's been really difficult for you to love, and maybe you just need to sit down, take them out to coffee or something, just say, hey, tell me your story. Just spend time with them. Pray for them. Lift them up to God. Maybe there's some of you here today, maybe you feel like you could be doing a better job. I hope that not all of us are just out there laying down stones by the way that we live, but I think all of us occasionally put one down. So maybe it's looking at your life and saying, how can I be a better example to the people around me, especially to the non-believers? Are there some things in my life that maybe need to change? Maybe there's some things that I'm doing that man, it's not worth it. And I hope today that you find some encouragement in the fact that regardless of what has brought you here and regardless of how you've ended up here and regardless of your past mistakes and all the things that you've screwed up, God's not done with you. He's going to use all of that for your good, for the good of the people around you. And he wants you to change. And he wants to use your past to let people see him inside of you working, turning over those tables in your heart until he's the only one left. Would you pray with me as we close? Father God, thank you so much for our time here. Lord, we just ask that you would challenge us this week but at the same time that you would go with us. Lord, that you'd give us an opportunity to be different. Give us an opportunity to to clear the path of some stones. Maybe to build up some of the path in other areas. Lord, we just need your strength and courage to do it. So we just ask that you would go with us from this place, that you would not just help us to be a blessed people in this building. There's a world out there full of people, man, that keep chasing things that can never fulfill them. And we have the answer. And I know that a lot of people, they don't want to hear the answer. And maybe they don't believe. But Lord, maybe, just maybe, they might see something in us that they'd want, that they might see something in us by the way in which we decide to live this week, that they'd say, man, I don't know what's in that, I don't know what's in them, but I gotta have it. And I just ask that you would help all of us, self-included, to see opportunities, to share our story, to listen to other people's story. And to do what you said is the most important thing we can do, and that is to love the people we encounter every day. That people might know whose we are by the way in which we choose to love one another. We love you, we praise you, in your holy name, amen. (music)